Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 23 of Coach Prep. Today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about a very important question that was raised from one of our listeners. You know, one of the things that I think we find ourselves quite often uh, because of our college background is spending a lot of time talking about things at a very high level, but maybe need to tone it down a little bit, bring it back a little bit to uh, remember that uh, not everybody's coaching a team that's got 15 really talented, Rec- recruited. recruited 18, 20, 18 to 22 year olds. So, but before we get into that discussion, we want to say, reach out to our sponsors, Clean It Up FP. Clean It Up is the tool you need to solve all your communication challenges, whether it's player to player, player to coach, or team to the world in general, uh, posting videos and success stories and all those kinds of things. Um, Clean It Up is a tool that you can use. It's going to help you manage all your communication needs. Um, one of the things that we keep hearing from our listeners that have started using Clean It Up is how it just solves all their challenges in one spot. Instead of needing to use three or four different uh, tools, three or four different apps, uh, they can do everything they need to do th- do through Clean It Up. And it's free, Tori. Yeah, and that's an important thing. So yeah. Clean It Up FP at cleatedup.com. It's Cleated E-D. Make sure that you check them out. And uh, after you start using it and love it, let us know for sure by contacting us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So Don, one of our listeners raised a question. I'll just kind of paraphrase it, but coaching at a, the rec league level, He's got a couple of really good players on his team, but overall, it's a very entry-level team of young players that you know really don't have a lot of experience and, and really a, a ton of skill. And so his question is, based on some of the conversations that we've already had about how to set up defenses and how to play bunts and things like that, his question is, well, what's he supposed to do because his pitcher is by far his best fielder? No, I think that's a great question, Tori, and often the pitchers are the ones that seem to be working at it the most, so it makes sense that they would get better fielding skills, that they would be better throwing, that they would be um, you know, better in terms of anticipating things and right. a little more ambitious that way. So I think at the, at the rec level or at a, a lower level, we kind of need to continue to, to let them do their thing, and we could modify things and be creative and you know, keep first base back and let the pitcher field the first base side. And, you know, things of that nature, a runner on second or a runner on third, let the pitcher work on the third base side. But these are all things I think that need to be uh, worked on and planned and, um, you know, figured out long before game time. Right. And if that's workable, that's great. You know, there's also a case to be made to teach them how things are going to be down the road. Right. You know, and let the other kids get better at fielding by running it straight up like we have uh, chatted about in the past. And, um, teach them how it's you know how it's going to be played down the road, and and be thankful that they are good fielders, and right. you know let them play a little shortstop when they're not pitching, so they don't get yeah. don't get stir well, crazy. And, and, with and it, I, th- but. I think as as with almost everything else we discuss, there's pl- you know pluses and minuses and strengths and weaknesses. If you're coaching at a level where winning is really important, right. then I think we're always going to be thinking about well, what's the best way for me to win right now today. In a lot of situations, the best way for me to win right now is to let that pitcher do everything. Get all she can get. Get all she can get because she's you know, the best fielder, the best thrower, the best pitcher, the best whatever. And, and if my goal is to win these games, then having a strategy that's built around letting my best player be as involved in, as possible makes sense. But you know, thinking about this level, I think that the challenge is, I don't think it's... We're kind of at a learning stage Right, here, it's not right? necessarily supposed yeah. to be about, you know, just winning games. You know, I think that while everybody likes to win, in the long haul, 
if we want to help all the players on our team get better, then teaching them how to play the game in a way that incorporates more of them, that allows more of them to expect to be involved in what's going on and be expected expect to be involved in more plays probably helps them grow a lot faster and grow a lot more in the long haul. So I'm thinking of being from up north, Tori, like a, a superstar hockey player that can skate around everybody and he just all the way all on his own all the time. Finally, they come across a team that, you know, similar to them. And now all of a sudden he's forced to pass and he can't pass and he can't, you know, we can't do the things we need to do to beat the really good teams. So, yeah. well, to, I think it's funny that you, that, that you mentioned hockey kind of off the cuff, because, <laughs> uh, you know, this is the 40th anniversary of the uh, Miracle. Uh, oh. Miracle on Ice. Um, so they had. Uh, I've, I've probably watched the movie Miracle maybe fifty times, maybe maybe more. Only fifty. Yeah, and certainly watched chunks of it, pieces of it, another fifty times, front to back, start to finish, probably fifty times. Awesome. And one of the points in that movie, um, you know, Mark Johnson, who uh, I was familiar with because he played his college hockey at the University of Wisconsin when I was growing up in in Wisconsin. You know, so he was already kind of a legend uh, before the '80 Olympics. Throughout the course of the movie, one of the things that happens a whole bunch of times is you hear Herb Brooks, the coach, reminding Mark Johnson, well, that coast-to-coast stuff won't work here. That coast-to-coast stuff won't work against the kinds of teams that we're going to be playing. It's not going to work in the Olympics, is kind of that same analogy that you're right, talking right. about. You know, He was so talented that in, in one area, basically freelance his way through, uh, through everybody and, and be successful. Do it all. Um, but he had to learn to kind of tone that down and fit it into the team concept. Ended up being, you know, a star of that Olympic team and you know and scored uh, you know a bunch of goals in some really pivotal times. But had to learn to kind of blend his. There's no I in team. Yeah, had to blend thing, his yeah. skills into the, what the team needed. You want know, to think about that pitcher who's by far the best fielder on the team. The other part of it too is I think at at the lower levels, you know, so much of the play is in the infield. Mm-hmm. Because yep. you know the hitters have not developed enough that we're hitting tons of fly Power balls and, and tons of you know balls in the gap. So that because of that, the infield play is such a you know, predominant part of the game. Um, again, having that pitcher who can field everything and get and make all these plays has you know a certain allure to it if our if our goal is winning. But so sure. so our our challenges you know when we're working at the and more of an entry level is thinking about what's good for the short term and what's good for the long term. Right. And the long term to me is helping all those players develop. And even if it means that you've got a first baseman who's not a very good fielder, you've got a third baseman who's not a very good fielder, that we need them to be involved in making plays and being involved in bunts and things like that so they learn to get better at it. How do we get better? Right. And if we lose a game that we might have won because our third baseman makes a play that ultimately she's going to have to make, but she throws it away once in a while or whatever it is, I think that's just the price we have to pay to help develop, you know, these other players' skills. Absolutely. So that, to me, would be the first place to th- to start off is what's good for the short term and what's good for the long term. And let's let that pitcher play some shortstop. Right. Yeah. And and, and let her play some other positions also yeah. because then she's going to develop, you know, some different skills. The second part about this is your pitcher's your best player. If we're going to let her play all the balls in the infield, does that mean we're also going to have her pitch every inning? Right. And again, I don't know, you know what the rules might be, what kind of legislation would be in place that would say yeah. you know, she can only pitch one game a week or she can only pitch so many innings a day or whatever it is. The, the we flip- got to go back in and have another discussion about that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we could talk about that whole thing forever. The idea of what happens then if she's not there one day, gets the flu, 
nobody knows what to do anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, she's um, you know got a wedding that she needs to go to. She's so she's gone that Saturday, whatever it is. And so all of a sudden now we've got our second best pitcher who hasn't played hasn't much. played very much and our infielders who haven't played very much even though they've been on the field every game they're expecting her um, to get them all yeah and then all of a sudden we look around and and we've really missed an opportunity to help those players develop into that situation so they'll be more comfortable with it no i think that's uh good advice for sure tori so but uh, uh but i also understand that when you've got a great pitcher it's easy to fall in love with that idea so here's the bottom line i think we want to coach this game on a regular basis, on a daily basis, to try to help kids play it at the highest possible level. And even though the picture of what the highest possible level looks like is different when we're talking about eight-year-olds, the fact that they can't all do everything that the older players can do doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to teach them how to do it so that as they grow and as they develop, they're they're ready for it and they're good at it. Absolutely. And so when we think about bunt coverages and things like that, uh, cutoff plays, um, whatever your picture in your head is of the best way it can possibly be done, professional way that you can do it, shoot for that. And then, you know, when it comes down to the end of the year and you're playing in the tournament, uh, you know, that qualifies to advance to the district tournament or whatever it is, or you're trying to win the uh, championship, uh, if something changes and we then are allowing that pitcher to be a little bit more involved, then that's one thing. But let's spend some time at practice and spend some time throughout the regular season throughout the course of the year helping all those players learn how to do the different things no i think that's good advice for sure tory and because because i think the two biggest areas are the bunts and the cutoffs for for the middle yeah so the other thing that kind of goes along with this idea of um, when your pitcher's your best player well how do we make all our players feel valuable needed and useful and Um, yeah uh, we're talking about younger players in uh you know rec league type settings developmental type settings you know, one of the things that I would, would strongly recommend is that we help kids learn to play as many positions as possible, that uh, everybody who's in the infield one day is in the outfield the next day and vice versa. Um, we get more than one kid behind the plate getting used to having the gear on, um, that we try to develop more kids who can pitch and might want to pitch over time. Throwing and catching fundamental story too, right? right? If you can throw and catch, you can play this game. Yeah. But I think one of the things that, uh, you know, when we're sitting there building a team, and, and obviously at a lot of these levels, you know, when we talk about building a team, you know, building the team is somebody hands you a list of 12 names and those are the kids that are on it. Assembling the yeah. group, yeah. Um, because I've, I've seen some rec league tryouts. I've been involved in helping to run a couple of rec league tryouts. My honest opinion is after those tryouts are done, I don't think anybody knows much more about who the best players are very often anyhow. Or you might be able to identify the two or three best players, but you certainly can't tell the difference between the 13th player and the 23rd player. Uh, and we're hiding some in there too. Yeah. yeah. But so when we're thinking about developing these kids um, and putting these teams together, I think we want to do all we can to give them all as much exposure as possible, to give them as many opportunities as possible to learn different things, to learn different skills. And then as they get older, you know, there's going to be that natural selection. There's going to be that uh, that the sorting out process um, and there's going to be a time for all these kids where the best kids play best kids yeah. are in the lineup and those days are, are out there on the horizon let's let those come naturally when they get there let's not try to force it on them at a young age in a developmental league you know when somebody feels or is is told that they're the you know the right fielder or the you know an outfielder on on some of these teams 
you know, we can't help the fact that for a lot of them, they feel like that's a de- uh, like a demoralizing cast, thing. Yeah, being you cast know, out there. You know, I, I laugh because I see a lot of things on social media about how parents of youth-level baseball and softball players get mad because their kid is the right fielder. But then I saw another thing on social media that the second highest paid position in all of the major, major leagues, leagues across the average is the right fielder. Right. You know, you got so the may- strongest arm. And, yeah. Yeah. But that sorting out of where the strongest players belong is going to happen over time. So when we're talking about that, you know, the entry level kinds of softball, um, you know, I'm thinking we want to give the kids as many opportunities as possible. So you know, don't tell somebody she's an outfielder. Let her play in the outfield. Let her play in the infield. Let her try catching. Let her try all those different things. Um, and if it works out that it's something in there, then it's one of those positions is something she falls in love with. And I think we come out way ahead. No, I think Tori too. And we're playing softball at this point, but a lot of that age group is about creating confidence and getting over fears and, you know, working as part of a group. And there's so much more than just, you know, a win or a loss. And the more we can give these kids a chance to, to grow through some of those things, I think we're better off. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to throw one out there, words of advice. Uh, if you want to really put this whole thing into perspective, there's a movie it was on uh, HBO and Showtime. I think you can probably find it on Amazon or whatever called All Stars. And All Stars is... I, I still haven't watched that one. It yet. is a movie about rec league slash all-star level fast pitch softball. And it's sort of the uh, thumbnail sketch of all the stereotypical things that you could possibly imagine in the world of softball. And those of us that have been around the game for a long time, to me, I think it's a hilarious movie because as you're watching it, I mean, somebody's face jumps into your head of exactly who that person is that you remember from your experiences. You know that person? Yeah, the, you know, the, the, the crazy lunatic coach and the stats-driven dad who... Work in the book? Work in the... Well, or has come up with an algorithm to, you know, to compare the number of practice swings that his daughter's taking versus what other kids are doing and the the, you know, the the screaming dad who gets thrown out of the games and the uh, over-competitive coach who whose daughter happens to be the star pitcher and she pitches every inning um, of every game so that they can win. And it's just, it's it's a really fun movie to watch for those of us that have been involved in the game of fast pitch softball. Um, it's set in Southern California. It's called All um, Stars. It's called All Stars. And now you got to be careful because there's another movie that's got the same title that's not about tra- travel ball softball. So when you look at the uh, little thing that uh, comes up with, when you search for it, um, it's got a little you know, red, white, and blue stars and stripes looking kind of thing. It, it definitely is uh, softball themed. So, um, But All Stars is must-watch TV, and I think it kind of puts a lot of this stuff into perspective. You see everything you know, from the, you know, the little girl who's not very good because she wants to go to band practice instead of coming to softball practice and uh and and everything in between a fun couple of hours about an hour and 45 minutes maybe two hours long and it's one of those you will end up on your must watch list cool so i'm gonna do it yeah and i think that will uh kind of put into perspective a little bit some of what we're talking about so we appreciate uh, our our listener asking us to have this discussion and one of the things that uh, is important to coach don and i is to get feedback from all of you about things that you would like for us to add to the list of things um, that, that we're going to be talking about on coach prep because we want to try to be as timely as we can and honestly be as useful as we can and i'm just going to have to plead you know, for your forgiveness because unfortunately or fortunately i guess depending upon your perspective you know all all of my coaching career for the most part except for a couple of little times now and helping with some younger travel teams 
was at the at the college level. Um, you right. know, I was a high school coach. Um, then I was a college coach and uh, worked with some really high level travel teams, but not very much with the entry level rec league kinds of uh, kinds of teams and ty- yeah. types of athletes. And I don't want it to ever feel like we're missing the boat on talking about things that are relevant for all our listeners. You know, even you know this topic today, I think, is applicable to somebody that's coaching a high-level team. Sure. You know, if you're if you're coaching a high-level travel ball team and your pitcher is still your very best player and still your very best fielder, you know, you can fall into the same trap as as this listener who's you know at a at a very entry level sure. kind of situation. And so, but we want to make sure that we're talking about things that you care about. So let us know what you care about. Let us know what you're interested in. And Coach Don and I will be happy to add it to the list of things that we're going to talk about in in upcoming episodes. So, Don, anything else about uh, how to handle it when your pitcher is your best player? No, it's a good thing that you got one that's that's a good athlete. Yeah. That's fortunate. Yeah, that's that's not a bad place to start. Yeah. So, all right, so that's episode number 23 of Coach Prep. Again, thank you to Clean It Up FP, our presenting sponsor. Check them out at cleanitup.com. And we'll look forward to speaking with you again next week for the 24th edition of Coach Prep.